What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com. That's patreon.com forward slash baldhead Bible. And there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. David had won the battle, but now he was in limbo because Absalom had unfairly tried to take the throne from David, right? But he had also gotten most of Israel to rally under his banner. He had this huge army from all the tribes of Israel who rallied under him to try to kill David. Well, David was victorious, but now David's got a problem. He's king, yeah, but most of Israel wanted Absalom. And now what is David going to do? And it says there in, in 2 Samuel chapter 19, the men of Israel go home and they scratch their heads, basically saying, what do we do now? We pursued Absalom and he was going to be our king, but we put our chips behind the wrong man and now he's dead and... Do we just take back David? Do we pick another king? And David is basically thinking, how come the men of Israel, the elders of Israel, haven't asked me to come back to be their king? They rallied under me once before. Why wouldn't they do it again? So he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. He's in this limbo period. Well, eventually David says, I've got to do something. I've got to get the men of Israel the elders of Israel, to accept me as king. So he goes to Zadok and Abiathar, the high priests. These are men that all of Israel is going to respect. And he says, listen, I will make Amasa, Absalom's general, I'm going to make him my general. Now he does this for two reasons. Number one, he's mad at Joab. Joab did not listen to him. Joab, he probably found out, killed Absalom. Joab is a hothead. He wants to demote Joab. But he also, secondly, wants to promote this new reconciliation. And Amasa is from the tribe of Judah. And if he can reconcile with Judah, which is the largest tribe of Israel at this point, probably... That's a big factor of Israel that'll be on his side. And David, to show grace and forgiveness to Absalom's own general, hey, this sounds like a great idea. 
So he does that, and, and Zadok and Abiathar come back, and they say, hey, you've got the men of Judah on your side, yes! So if he's got Judah, well, probably he can head back to Jerusalem and start to become king again, so he heads back. Remember, he's in this town called Mahanaim, and, and he's leaving it now with his entourage, and he's heading west, and as he's about to cross the Jordan River to come back into Israel... Here comes the crowd, the crowd of men who are dying to keep their heads because they are scared to death of David. They are scared to death that David now is out to kill him. And it says they rush towards him. And one of the first to get there is Shammai. Now, do you remember Shammai? Do you remember that guy who threw dust at David and cursed him as he was leaving? Who threw stones and rocks at his head and cursed him and people wanted to chop his head off and David said, no, I deserve it. Do you remember that guy? Well, Shammai shows up with a thousand men from the tribe of Benjamin and he rushes towards him and he falls to his knees and he basically says, please forgive me, I messed up. I shouldn't have cursed you. That was wrong. Please forgive me. Oh, by the way, look at these a thousand men who came because of me. If you forgive me, he doesn't say this, but it's implied. If you forgive me, guess what? You get all these men. I'll be a good ally, but please forgive me. Now, was he truly sad? I don't know. Remember, he was of the house of Saul, and maybe he wanted to raise the house of Saul up again to kingship, but... Maybe he was truly sad and he was truly asking for forgiveness. It's hard to tell. And Abishai, who's standing with David, who was loyal, he said, look at this guy. Let's lop off his head. Let's kill him right now because he cursed the Lord's anointed. But David says, no, no, let's forgive him. David shows him something called grace. You know, and I, and I think a lot of us need to show that. I mean, this man cursed him. He hated him, right? And David, in that moment, shows him grace, and I'll give him credit for that. But I also think David knows this man, with all these troops, I've got to get him on my side. Because later on, when David is dying, he tells Solomon to basically avenge Shammai. But in this moment, David shows him grace, and I think he truly forgave him. Maybe at the end of his life, he changed his mind. I don't know. But at this point, he forgave him, I think, politically, because he knew he needed him on his side. But I also think because he knew God showed him grace. God could have killed David with his sin with Bathsheba, but God showed him grace. And I think David is now showing grace to Shammai. And Shammai's like, whoo, I solved that one. Yay, I'm not going to be killed. Well, here comes another group rushing in to see David. And the first one to rush up there is Ziba. And remember Ziba? He's the man who showed up with a donkey and, and with food. And he said, hey, I'm bringing all the stuff to refresh you. And Ziba was the servant of Mephibosheth. And David asks, where's Mephibosheth? Remember, David had showed great grace to Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was the son of Saul, but he was lame. He couldn't walk. 
And David said, Mephibosheth, come eat at my table. Come hang out with me. I will show you grace. Well, in the middle of this running away from Jerusalem, Ziba says, Mephibosheth is stabbing you in the back. And I brought you all this stuff, Ziba says, but Mephibosheth, he's all on the side of Absalom and wants to restore the, the house of his dad. And he stabbed you in the back, David. And Ziba tells him that. And so David gives all the land he had given to Mephibosheth to Ziba. Well, now that he's coming back, he hears another side of the story. Ziba shows up with his 15 sons and his 20 servants. Again, showing, hey, I've got people to bring to be on your side. And he bows before him. But right behind him, probably being carried because he can't walk very well, is Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth tells him, David, David, I'm so glad you're back. And, and David looks at Mephibosheth and asks him, why didn't you come with me? Why did you stab me in the back? I showed you grace and kindness. Why didn't you come with me, Mephibosheth? And and he looks at Mephibosheth and he looks again and he notices Mephibosheth is dirty. He shows all the signs of what we would call mourning. He hasn't washed himself since David left. He hasn't taken care of his feet. He says that he hasn't trimmed his beard. All the signs of a man who is mourning the loss of something great. And Mephibosheth says, I, I, I got all that stuff that Ziba gave you. I'm the one who put it on the mule. I'm the one who told my servants to gather it. But then Ziba took off and left me behind. And you know, I'm lame. I can't walk anywhere, David. And when Ziba got to you, he told you a lie. I never abandoned you. I'm on your side. Look at me. Now, is Ziba telling the truth? Or is Mephibosheth telling the truth? Well, there seemed to be enough of a sense that Mephibosheth is telling the truth, but he can't totally trust him. So David says, all right, listen, I'm going to split the property and the land and all the stuff I gave you, Ziba. I'm going to take half of it and give it back to Mephibosheth. So he splits the property and Mephibosheth says, thank you. And in a true contrite heart, he says, listen, the fact that you haven't killed me, the fact that you have accepted me back with grace, I don't want my property back. Ziba can keep it. And that's what makes me think, I think Mephibosheth was telling the truth. And I think Ziba is a big, fat liar. Well, basically, he splits the property. So here comes Shammai, here comes Mephibosheth, and here comes Ziba. Stress, stress, please forgive me, please forgive me. Anger, revenge, emotions inside of David. And then, I think a smile came on his face. Because he saw Barzillia. And it says Barzillia showed up. He's a man in his 80s, is what it says there. To be 80 in David's day, you were old. Nobody lived that long. But when David saw Barzillai, I think he gave him a big hug. What a man of encouragement. Remember, Barzillai showed up with those two other men, and they brought him food and cattle and drink and water. Because for your long trek ahead of you, we want to help. He was a helper and a source of blessing. And David says, because you were that, join me in my palace, Barzillia. I am going to show you grace upon grace. Eat with me. Drink with me. I'll take care of you the rest of my days. 
Well, Brasilia thanks him, but says, you know what? I'm a wealthy man, and I've got a great place to go back to already. Let me die in peace there. But my son, Chimham, they had weird names in the Old Testament. Chimham, please, you take him and let him spend his days with you and let him be your loyal servant. Please take my son, Chimham. So David takes Chimham. And he's followed with this entourage of Shammai with his a thousand warriors from the tribe of Benjamin and probably Zeba. And and here comes Mephibosheth. And then David has his whole entourage and they come to Gilgal where he will be re-anointed king by the tribe of Judah who have decided to show up because they showed kindness. And so he crosses the Jordan. He comes to Gilgal. Judah is there to anoint him as king when the representatives from the rest of Israel show up they are mad because remember Israel is made up of 12 tribes and Judah is just one of those tribes but what about the rest where are they going to be allowed in this whole party And what's going to happen to them? And that's the question they have. And they accuse Judah of stealing the heart of the king. And they say, hey, why should Judah get all the pleasure of anointing you king? Why should Judah be your new favorite? What about the rest of us? We should be part of that too, David. And they start fighting and arguing. And Judah says, we're not trying to steal anything. And Israel and their representative says, yes, you are. And by the way, we have more people, more tribes. We represent more power. David, you can't forget us. And Judah says, we're not trying. And they're arguing back and forth right there in Gilgal. Welcome back to being king, David. You have got a country that is fractured that is yelling at each other. Welcome back, David, to this lot. Well, in the middle of this argument, I can imagine he blows a trumpet. Or maybe he takes his hand and scratches it down a blackboard. Like the scene from Jaws. Either way, he gets all of Israel's attention. Who is this person? Sheba. Not Shammai earlier, but Sheba. And Sheba is from the tribe of Benjamin, which, by the way, what tribe was King Saul from? Benjamin. So many people think here Sheba connected with King Saul is trying to reassert the house of Saul. But he gets the attention of of all of Israel and it says that Sheba is not only from the tribe of Benjamin, it also says that Sheba is a worthless man. What that means is he's a bad dude. He's evil. He's done some bad things. He cannot be trusted. Well, Sheba jumps in at this politically opportune moment and he yells out, we don't have a portion with this new Israel. We are going to break away from the rest of Israel. Follow me and we're going to start our own kingdom. And he heads off north and it says all the men of Israel, they follow Sheba. What a fickle lot. Here they are saying, David, we're going to be loyal. It's not fair that Judah has taken all the glory. 
But then immediately another person says to be king, those men who showed up to complain are now following him. Back and forth, what a fickle lot. Well, Sheba leads the men of Israel north, and they go all the way to a town just north of Dan, which is the northernest part of Israel. And, and he leads them in, the, in this little rebellion all the way to this town called Abel of Beth Makkah. And Sheba leads them all there. Well, David just got back. He's got people screaming at him. He's got all these people who are trying to save their heads. And now he has to put down another rebellion right off the bat. Talk about stress for David. Well, David turns to Amasa, his new general, and says, I need you to gather whatever men are left, the men of Judah, the men of Benjamin, whoever is going to follow you, and you have to pursue Sheba. We have got to squelch this. Well, Amasa, he leaves, and he tries to find people. He tries to get this army together, but He's not really the greatest military commander. Remember, he had just lost a battle with overwhelming odds in his favor. He had lost a battle to David's little military troops, and he lost over 12,000 men to possibly 2,000 or less. So he's not the world's greatest military genius, and it takes him a while, and he's not getting people to follow him. And why would you follow a guy who just lost a major battle? I'm not going to trust him. And, And there's all this confusion. Well, nothing happened. And David knows, I have got to squash this rebellion by Sheba now. So he tells Abishai, take your crack troops. Because Abishai, he was one of David's military commanders. And he's got some men who are loyal to him. And he says, I want you to take those men. And you head north. And you shut down Sheba. And you squelch this rebellion. Well, Abishai leaves. Along the way, he bumps into Amasa again. And Amasa, he does not want to be left out of this battle, so he found some men, I think, to follow him. He hasn't been totally successful in what David wanted him to do, but he didn't want to be left out of the battle. And he stops along the way and he greets Abishai, who is leading the men to go fight. And one of those men that Abishai is leading is his brother, Joab. Now remember, Joab was the commander. Amasa is now the commander. And Joab goes up to greet him, and it says that Joab takes his right hand and grabs the beard of Amasa. And that was some sort of formal greeting back then. You would pull him by the beard to give him a kiss on the cheeks. It was some sort of formal greeting. And by using your right hand, in those days, if you wanted to fight, you fought with your right hand. Even if you were left-handed, you pretty much fought with your right hand. You held your sword in your right hand. You held your slingshot, your spear. So when you greeted somebody with your right hand, you're basically saying, hey, I'm weaponless. I am safe. You can trust me. But the Bible points out that you can't ever trust Joab. Because it says, strapped to his left thigh under his garments is the sword. 
And so when Joab goes in to greet him with his right hand, Amasa thinks, hey, he's greeting me in a friendly way. And he leans in to kiss him and he leans in and he accepts the pull in with the beard. And as he's pulling Amasa towards him, Joab grabs his sword with his left hand that's on his thigh, pulls it out and phew! Dabs Amasa in the stomach to the point it says that his entrails spilled out. He kills him, and it says with one blow. Amasa falls to his knees. He probably looks up at Joab. What? You were greeting me with? Clunk. Amasa is dead. Joab, I think, wipes his blade off, sticks it back on the sheath, puts it on his left thigh under his cloak, and it says that Joab now leads Abishai and the men to go fight Sheba. Yes, well, sorta. Because as they're running past, all the men going to fight, they see Amasa on the ground in his blood and he's dead. And they all stop to look. And then somebody else boop, bumps into somebody. What's that? Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. All these men, instead of following Joab, are now stopping to look at this dead body. This was their commander. Well, Joab turns around, comes back, and he grabs the body of Amasa. And he drags him out into a field and dumps him there and puts a cloak over him. Then runs back and says, let's go. And so, hey, all right, the sight's gone. And they all follow Joab. And he is now the commander again. He's now the new general. And he treats Amasa so unfairly. He doesn't bury him. He doesn't treat him with respect. Just drags him off and dumps him. Joab is not a good man. And this is going to come back to haunt him later. Well, Joab is now the commander again, and he runs, and they get all the way to this town called Abel of Bethmachah. They get all the way to this town. I mean, it is in northern Israel. It was quite the run, and they finally get there, and they begin to siege the city. First of all, you have to build a big dirt mound that's going to go from the ground up halfway maybe up the walls and then you want to fill in the moat that was probably around the castle with dirt so you can get your siege equipment up these big dirt mounds halfway up the wall then you can begin to climb over the wall knock it down so they were busy building these big dirt ramps because inside this town was Sheba but at this point all he had was his family It seems like on his way north, a lot of the men of Israel decided to stop following him. And pretty much he just had his family, his clan, his cousins, everybody there who were part of the Beckright clan, Sheba, had him on his team and they were going to hole up there for a while. Well, that's how a siege works. We're going to cut off. All food going in, all food going out. And while we're doing that, we're going to be starting to knock down your walls. We're going to destroy your city. And as they're digging away, all of a sudden, hey, 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 I need to talk to Joab. Get him over here. You know, somebody's digging away. Hey, hey, tell Joab to come over here. 
and he stops digging and he runs over this person this this is this this person fighting with job and he goes what and 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 he finds out it's a woman and the woman's saying tell joab to come over here i've got something to tell him and maybe it's down the wall a little bit maybe she's whispering it but she's got to yell loud enough to get over a wall so i don't think so well, this army man goes and grabs Joab and says, Hey, there's a woman who wants to talk to you. So Joab goes over there and she goes, Hey, are you Joab? And and he goes, Yeah, I'm Joab. And we find out that the person talking to him, the Bible calls a wise woman. In other words, somebody who is smart, gifted by God with wisdom and insight. And, and, and she tells Joab, Hey, why are you trying to destroy one of the best cities in all of Israel? She calls Abel Bathmaka, her city, a mother to Israel. We are an old city. We are a mother to Israel. Out of our city have come great men, great wise men, great leaders, people who have done great things for Israel. We are a city who are on the side of Israel, and, and I'm a wise woman. People come to me for counsel, and, and as a person with counsel, with wisdom, I want to pass on to you, don't destroy this great city, because we're for Israel, and from us have come great men, and if you destroy us, you're not going to have that source of great education, great children, great leaders. You better not destroy us. Well, Joab says, all right, I won't destroy you, but inside you, you've got a man named Sheba who's trying to lead a rebellion against David. If you bring him out, we will leave. And you can imagine the woman, all right, hang on a second. And so she goes away and Joab's like, huh, I wonder what's going to happen. And so he waits and he waits. And he does his shoes up, and, you know, he probably sharpens his sword a little, and he waits, and he waits. And then, I don't know, 15 minutes later, half an hour later, an hour later, but not long, all of a sudden, whoo, clunk, tunk, tunk, tunk. He looks down at his feet, and it's a head. Ahead of a man, and he picks it up and he looks at it. <gasps> it's Sheba. This woman had basically gone to the town and said, We gotta give him Sheba. And so they all decided to chop his head off and they threw it over the wall, and boom, it landed at the feet of Joab. And he picked it up and he said, All right, blew the trumpet. We are out of here. This battle is over and they head home and that is it and the chapter ends chapter 20 of second samuel ends with joab being part of david's administration and david and the writer of second samuel lists the administration of david 
First of all, we have Joab, the commander of all the army of Israel. Then we have Benaniah, the who is the commander of the crack troops, the Cherethites and the Pelethites. Then we have Adoram, who is in charge of all the servants and the forced labor, the people who are going to build things and dig things. He's in charge of making sure we have enough manpower to build stuff. Then we have Jehoshaphat, who is the recorder. He's got to get everybody together to write stuff down. They didn't have typewriters back then, so they had to have a lot of people writing on things, and he's in charge of all that. Then we have Shiva, who's the secretary probably in charge of money and other things and making sure David shows up on time for certain events. Then it mentions we have Zadok and Abiathar, the high priests, and then he has Ira, his own personal priest named Ira. And that's the administration that's going to lead this fracturing, angry, backstabbing, lying, discontented nation. How are they going to do it? What's going to happen to David and all of them? We'll come back next week and we'll find out. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.